You're tuning in to the Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal podcast. If you have a story or a guest recommendation that you think others need to hear, email me at wildweirdandsometimesnormal at gmail.com. Let's get this started. Alex and Brett, kick it! Wild. And sometimes normal. On this episode, I'm joined by Joe McCarthy of Rusty Pigeon. But sometimes he goes by Rusty Pigeon when he plays solo. But the Rusty Pigeon account has pics of the band and Joe playing solo, and then also pics of his family. It may be easier to list all the ways to use John than it is to pigeonhole the punk rock of Rusty Pigeon. But just as John is Philly as fuck, so is Rusty Pigeon. Born and raised in South Philly, Joe is quintessential Philly, and we cover it all, even him moving out to the Jersey suburbs recently. Anyway, more punk rock and less rambling. I randomly met Joe in an Ocean City restaurant because I was wearing a cross key shirt. Turns out he's friends with those dudes and plays a lot of Josh's solo shows. We cover him getting into music, skateboarding, whiskey, living amongst the trees, basketball, taking your kids to shows and watching them stage dive and circle back to what's coming up in the future. Give Rusty Pigeon a follow and let Joe know you heard him on Wild and Weird. Enjoy the show. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey? Escape the city and move to the suburbs? Finally purchase that vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email McCoach at kw.com. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients. Organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's wild, A-N-D, weird. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian, and tonight my guest is Joe McCarthy, also known as Rusty Pigeon, a musician from Philadelphia. Welcome, Joe. Hey, what's up, Brian? Good to see you again. Hey, dude, I appreciate you coming on, man. This is, this is great. We had some uh, back and forth for a couple weeks, a couple months, but uh, we finally nailed this down. Yeah, a lot of phone tag and text tag and all that shit. So. Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. You got the family, you got the kids, you got the life going on. Uh, chaos. It's chaos over here. It, yeah, it's nonstop. It never stops, dude. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's it's late summer, 2023. Uh, I'm in Ocean City with my family for the day. I've got my cross keys, band shirt on. I interviewed Josh, lead singer of them, for oh, my yeah. podcast. And I'm trying <laughs> to sit down at Augie's, this small little, you know, 15, 20 table restaurant, Ocean City. Awesome. But hey, don't go there. If I, if I show up, I don't want to wait. So only 18 new people can go. But yeah. you show up. It's pretty good food. It's awesome. And I'm trying to get my kids wrangled and everything. And, and like in the back of my ear, I hear somebody like saying like, hey, hey, hey. 
And I'm trying to focus on this. And I kind of look up and and this guy, you, you look, hey, man, I like your shirt. And I, I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I'm trying to sit down. You're like, dude, I have that shirt. And I'm like, I finally look down and see what I have. And I'm like, ah, dude, he's got to be mistaken. Like, there's, there's Cross Keys Road in, in New Jersey. There's a bunch <laughs> of things going on. I'm like, ah, I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it actually turns out that, like, you know, Josh, you've opened up for Josh, you've played with these guys, like, just such a small world that in Ocean City at that moment to, to run into each other. Yeah. And I had to say something to you, man. I'm like, that's like, they're my dudes. Like, they, if, if it wasn't for Josh, Bo, Andrew, Dave, all them guys, like, they, like, I probably wouldn't have been playing anymore. They, they took me under their wing when I was like, you know, when I was down and out about playing, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this no more. They let me open up their record release a few years back. I think it was 2018 or 19. But um, yeah, them dudes are all, always been solid. Like Josh is like, that, that's my brother. That's my that's my Filipino brother. <laughs> like he, me and him, I was just talking to him last night. We're talking about booking a show in uh, February too. So it's like, I kind of like, a lot, a lot of the times he plays solo, I play with him. So, you know, it's like, that's like, um, we went up to North Jersey one time. So, well, actually, no, not North. Yeah, um, where we go? Jersey City. We played a show up there one time. Me, him, and some other guy. And um, you, if you want me to get into it, I'll get into it a little bit. You want me to just yeah. keep talking? Right? Let's go. Yeah, you're yeah, the star of the show, man. People right, have heard yeah, me enough, man. You're, you're so, right. yeah. <laughs> so he, um, so we went up to this, this show up there. Josh is like, you know, Josh don't drive, so he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, let's go, to, let's go do the show. I think that's one of the reasons why he books me on the show is because I drive. I don't drive in places. <laughs> <laughs> so, nah, but we we have a great relationship, man. He's a great dude, and um, we um, we went up to North Jersey. It was just like a brewery where everybody just wanted to drink and talk and no one wanted to fucking pay attention. And like, I kind of like the way I do things, I like being the center of attention. You know, I got, got a lot of stupid shit to say and, you know, kind of like my lyrics are on a little jokey side. So it's like, if people are listening, they'll, they'll get it and they'll like it. But if it's like, they're not, it's just like that environment for Josh, it's cool. Cause he has that. He could just do that with a bunch of people talking, you know, kind of like he could just play, be background noise. The other dude to play does the same shit. I'm just like standing on a fucking chair like yelling at the top of my lungs. I had like two dudes in the back, like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, they're, they're, they're my two dudes. That's who I'm talking to right now. So yeah. I just focused the rest of the set on them. But that, that was a good show. It was a good time. But like, would love to actually do more shows like that with Josh and other people, just like kind of going outside of like Philly and, you know, other places. So yeah, he's, he's a really cool dude. So I like Dave Hawes and he was doing the uh, Singers Home Festival. Yeah. So, I, you know, I was following him on Twitter and all this stuff. And then when I saw the opening band, I was like, oh, let me check out some of these guys. And Cross Keys are on there. I followed them. And they followed me back right away. I was like, dude, like, what the fuck? Oh, okay. So, yeah. and then like just going back and forth. And I, I was like, well, let me see if these guys are around. And they show up. And Josh went to Cherry Hill East. And then I have some buddies that went there. And actually a, a good friend of mine would hang out with Josh's younger brother and skate with him. So I was like, what a small like just a, a small world like so Wait, who's a good friend of yours because like josh's younger brother was i i used i grew up skating with him i knew like, i knew him before i knew josh i had no idea like like his brother and his buddy buddy richie that i hung out with all the time and i'm like i met josh later in life and i'm like how the fuck did i know you guys were brothers like because i used to hang out with his brother like consistently skating like love park and city hall when we were kids so you know i don't know i, I might know yeah, they've been I mean, you saw probably, him or whatever. Yeah, probably crossed paths because if he skated with him, it was like we I used to run into them dudes all the time. And like, you know, Josh's brother and Richie were like like inseparable and like they they were together all the time. I think they might have worked at Whole Foods together. I know Richie did, but I don't know if he did. But yeah. 
just as I was talking to Josh and he was like, oh, Cherry Hill East. And it popped in my head that my buddy, he was like, oh, he's played in this like shitty punk band, like a garage band. And so I just brought up to Josh and he's like, dude, I, I, I know that name. He's like, I actually know his sister. And then like going back and talking, oh, I, I know, I forget his brother's name at this minute, but I was like, oh, I know his brother. And But crazy, man. Such a small world. Yeah, dude, it fucking is, especially in the punk scene, dude. You're always going to know somebody. And even like where I grew up, I grew up in Southwest Philly. So it was like, I still run into people. And like, I always felt like it was a really small like area. People didn't know. It's it's like, if you're, if you're, you grew up in Jersey, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I lived the first like 21 years of my life in Southwest Philly. And it was like, you know, it's, it, but, it, you know, you, you figure a lot of people from there moved that moved to South Jersey or Delaware County and, you know. But it's it's every once in a while be in a random spot and just run into somebody from Southwest Philly and it's it's pretty wild. So, but that was a you know short time in my life that I lived. Well, not short time. I hold the whole beginning of my life. Then I moved over to South Philly. So, yeah. So, how'd you get started in music? Like, what was it? Like, what were your influences? Like, did so, you? I want to go way back. Go way back with the influence. So, so my dad played guitar and sang when I was younger. He died when he was thirty three. So I was seven years old. But I always kind of carry that with me, kind of like wanting to be like my dad, wanting to be a singer songwriter. My dad had a really good voice, which I did not get. <laughs> so it's like, but I still like, it's like I have, I feel like I kind of got the like songwriting thing from him. Like I, I could write a song in, in a minute, you know, it's like, and I just play regular, you know, now it's just like cowboy chords and like, you know, just strumming and shit. But that was basically my first influence with music, but I always been into music. It's like, you know, starting way back when I was like little listening to like, Roger Miller, like, you know, with, like, you know, on the um, Robin Hood soundtrack, the Disney, the Disney soundtrack. So it's like, love like Roger Miller when I was really little and got a little bit older, got into like, my dad loved the Beatles. I never got into the Beatles, <laughs> but I got into like Springsteen at a young age. So like born in the USA, it was like, it came out about 84, 85. So I was roughly like eight years old when it came out. And just like, remember like that young of an age wanting to be like Springsteen wearing white t-shirts and jeans and putting a bandana in my back pocket until I got older and figured out it was a hat in his back pocket. <laughs> you know, so like, <laughs> yeah. I've been living a lie. You're like, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker had a hat the whole time. <laughs> so fucking trick, trick me. <laughs> but um, yeah, but that, that, and then like, you know, I got into metal. Like after that, it was like, kind of like, you know, when I found my own music, it was like fucking Anthrax, Slayer, you know, Megadeth, Metallica, all that stuff. And I went to, I went to Catholic school. And it was kind of frowned upon to be, you know, into that kind of music there because of the nuns and shit. And they would give me shit for it. Like, I'll never forget the time I came in. They're like, oh, you know, it's the end of the year. Bring your music in, whatever you want to listen to. So, you know, this is the 80s. You bring in like a stack of tapes with, a, you know, your cassette player, your um, Walkman. And like, you know, you know how that is. <laughs> and, you, you know, so I come in, I come in and I have a stack of tapes on my desk, you know, Slayer, Carnivore, all this shit. She's like, my nun, the nun's like, I don't want you kids bringing any of that Satan worshiper music in. And everybody turns around and looks at me, dude. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like this little kid that's like listening to music because I like it. And I'm just making, they made me feel like an asshole. But, yeah. you know, I had I had the, you know, jean jacket with the metal patches and the pins and all that shit. But it was like, I stuck out like a sore thumb in Catholic school. Just put it that way. <laughs> but I, I like it like that, you know? I always liked it like that. <laughs> uh, a, a nonconformist in Catholic school. I went there to Catholic school, not yours. From first and second grade, then third grade did public, then back to fourth, and then fifth grade on, I did public, but CCD up through eighth grade. And looking back on it now, you know, yours was more like overt, like discrimination is like the wrong word, but like, you know, the, the woman, you know, the nun not appreciating like who you are 
who you were for like who you are. Well, she fucking very judgy the devil too. So it's like, I mean, what are you going <laughs> to, yeah, he's the devil worshiper. Like, what? like, yeah. like you know, I'm already damned. If you believe you know? in the fucking devil when you're a grown woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it just makes you know, it's, it's a judgy place. It's a, uh, you know, it's tough. I think sometimes it's good for like the regiment of like kids to follow things. And then also the, the constant, like, Hey, if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell can like be overbearing sometimes. Yeah, dude. Catholic school ruined me. <laughs> it's like, it, I mean, it didn't like, I mean, like it was like, it just, as like, like I'll never, I'm not a practicing Catholic. I'll never be, I'm not like a Christian. None of that shit. I don't raise my kids that way. I never had them baptized, which I got shit for from my mom. And I'm like, I was like, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to do something that I don't do. Like my, like my mom barely ever went to church. My dad did. My dad sang in choir. Like he was a big church dude. And when he passed away, my mom was like, Oh, go to church. Here's an envelope. I'm like, drop the envelope off, run out and play with my friends. Or you get a little bit older, like, oh shit, there's money in this envelope. We can go buy potato <laughs> chips and shit with this, you know? Like, yeah, like, like fuck Still God. Drop I'm the envelope and maybe take out what's inside. You're like, hey mom, I dropped the envelope. You don't want to come home to my my grandmother used to pull pull out. So um for a couple of years, we lived in Kensington. That's where my mom grew up. And my grandmother pulled out this boat oar from underneath the couch. And she's like, if you guys ever act up, like I I did this to your aunt and uncle and your mom. She's like, I'll do this to you. And like, we never acted up. I was like, Jesus, like that reach. So you never want to lie. So it's like, hey, drop this envelope. <laughs> like, hey, I dropped the envelope. Don't worry. And it's crazy because the generation we grew up in, as soon as she said she pulled out a boat or I'm like, I knew where the story was going. <laughs> like, You're getting your ass beat with that fucking yeah. boat <laughs> She didn't want to mess around like a spaghetti spatula or anything like that. Like That, that was too close <laughs> combat. She, I, I got a 10 foot reach on this boat or no matter how, how fast you think you are, you're going to get whacked. Now that I think of it, like it kind of reminded me like a little bit, it's like kind of like around the same thing, but it wasn't necessarily getting beat. But my mom was like raising four kids on her own. And she's like, you know, just like looking back at some of the shit she did, I kind of get it. Cause like we were fucking, we were assholes. Like now she had like three, like four kids that were like in grade school, some higher, we were in higher grades. My kid, my brother and sister were in younger grades. I had a, a tail, like, you know, fucking an eighties rat tail. Like, you know, my head was shaved rat tail. And we weren't allowed to have hair past the collar in, in Catholic school. So I'm like, I come home, I'm like, mom, we, I got to get this cut off. I told her the day before. And, you know, my mom's working like three jobs. She's working like, she's a medical assistant working at UPS. She's bartending. She's doing all kinds of shit. And I'm like, I'm like, she's like, um, I'm like, mom, I got to get this cut off. I got to get this cut off the day before. The next, next morning I, I wake up like complaining, like, you know, mom, I got to get this cut off. I'm going to get, I'm going to get yelled at by the teachers. They're going to pull me by it. Because the one nun did, she would yank it. So my mom is like getting us, us all ready. Never forget this shit. She's getting us ready. She's like, come here for a minute. You want it off? You want it? Because I can't complain. She grabs it, gets a fucking steak knife, and just saws the fucking <laughs> rat tail off me. It just sends me on my way. Like, go to school. I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling like red. Like, oh my God, oh my God, dude. But I'm like, looking back on it, I'm like, fuck, yeah. I'm a, I, was an, I, was an, <laughs> I was an asshole. Yeah. It's funny because even just doing through this, this is this is almost like a therapy sometimes. Like there's just like thoughts will pop in your head. And I'm like, shit, man, I haven't thought about that in 20, 30, whatever years. And yeah. you know, I, I have this like, you know, everyone has rose-colored glasses of like your childhood. And uh, you know, I knew I wasn't great. But sometimes I'm like, oh my God, was I an asshole? Like, I can't believe it. Like I definitely deserved whatever my parents dished out to me and and probably definitely more. But you know, sometimes you just look back like, no, I was a good kid. What are you talking about? And like, I see my kids now. I'm like, like, why are you guys acting up as they're doing like one tenth of whatever I did? Oh yeah, and, yeah. Our kids, you know. our kids are probably way better than we were. I know they were. <laughs> they are. My kids are way better than I was when I was a kid. Yeah. And I have a 21 year old. I have a 21 year old son, and I'm like, 
just seeing how he grew up, I'm like, dude, like he's killing it compared to where I was, you know? So yeah. I was before gonna drop we... out. So he was like <laughs> Well, before we started recording, we were talking about our kids' sports and everything. And like you know, so my son, my he's in fourth grade. I didn't start playing organized sports till fourth grade. So he's been playing stuff since before kindergarten. And oh, yeah. it's just it's just crazy. Like I, we didn't even have that opportunity. We didn't have those leagues, you know, just watching both of them. You know, my daughter's in basketball, my son's in basketball now, and just like running about and doing that stuff. It's just like every season there's something you can get. There's specialists. There's all like as much money as you want to dish out. Like obviously someone's going to take it, but there is somebody who can, you yeah. know, quote unquote, help you get better. Yeah, we're just getting emails now for like, oh, you want to play winter soccer? I'm like, we just ended the soccer season. We're playing basketball. I'm like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, like when I was younger, it was like I didn't start playing. I started playing grade school football when I was in like fourth grade. And I, and like before then, I mean, yeah, we played like pal soccer like around the same time. But it was all around. I thought, like, yeah, it was all around the same time. Like my daughter is taking like dance and ballet. And she's taking like advanced classes now because she's like really catching on to it. And it's like wild to see like a six-year-old get that much into like dance. Like she's like she just danced in the local parade. There was a, like a uh, Halloween parade. And she's dancing with older girls and stuff, too. Like, she wakes up the other morning. They had, like, a late start at school. She's doing, like, yoga exercises on YouTube. I'm like, hell yeah. (laughs) Like, this is awesome, you know? That's so awesome, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, she's like, that. Like, you know, I come in the room and she gets all, like, embarrassed. I'm like, don't be embarrassed. I was like, I'll do the stretches with you. So I start doing some of these yoga stretches with her. I'm like, Jesus, man, I really got to get back to yoga because this is, (laughs) I'm like, like, you know, especially, like, working construction and, like, my back and my neck, like, just, like, you know, that between that and being an old skateboarder is just, you know, my, I'm fucked. (laughs) (laughs) None of that's adding up for like body success. You know, a lot of wear and tear going on it. I feel like I'm doing fairly okay. I mean, like, you know, I'm not completely crippled, but you know, do you ever see a skateboard now? Do you ever see like a skateboard now? And you're like, Oh, I can, let me get, let me jump on this. Let me show these kids. something. I I do believe it or not. (laughs) I have a skateboard. Like I have a skateboard in my truck. Most of the time, a basketball and a skateboard. And there's a little skate park around here. And it's like, I don't like skating when people are there, but I will cruise around. Like I will, I don't, I don't really get nuts with doing tricks, but like, it's like one of them things. It's like, you know, I'll get like a half hour on a skateboard and I feel great. You know, just like, it just, it takes me back. And it's kind of like, it's, it's almost like, it, it's, it's like therapy for me, you know? And I don't, I don't do it as much as I want to, but it's like always like, I'll never not be a skateboarder. You know, <laughs> like, it's like always like, like I have skateboards hanging on my wall and shit, like, you know, still. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. That's how I am with basketball. Like if I need to get like 10 minutes outside and just shoot around and kind of like drift off in my own mind and just get some shots up, like it's just yeah. therapeutic. It's what I did all growing up. Yeah. Oh, that, that's another thing with me too. Like, like basketball is like kind of like my saving grace right now. Well, it was like, you know, I want to get into some personal shit, like where like I had, I had a minor stroke a year and a half ago. It wasn't last, it wasn't when I ran into you. It was a year before that we were, it's right before we went to ocean city. I had a small vessel stroke and I was in the hospital for a day and we went to the shore like the next day. Like, you know, it's just kind of like, it was like one of them things that was like, there was no like long-term damage. It was like, but it was scary as shit, you know? So like, um, I went, I went through all that and it was just like, after like about, it was like two months, I felt okay. And I took a break from work for a little bit and then I had a really bad panic attack and my anxiety just went through the roof. Like I was like, I was in a bad spot. Like I would not be talking to you right now if this was like it was, this was like was it 20, 2021, I guess, or at the end of twenty twenty one, or no, that we no twenty twenty two because yeah, end of last year, around this time last year, my head was like just like I was fucking in a bad spot, like a spot I'd never been in in my life, like depression, anxiety, 
agoraphobia. Like I was, I was in bad shape and it was like, I was never like, I'm an outgoing person. And this is how I am all the time. Like talking, just like getting out, you know, I started my own business and all that shit and just doing my thing. And, but going back to basketball, kind of like when I started getting better, the, like when I could drive to certain spots, I was like, all right, I'll drive here and play basketball for a little bit. And that's what I would do. I would get out either like take a walk, like, you know, take a, a, a mile walk and come back home or I would drive to the basketball court and just shoot the basketball around and stuff. But it kind of like helped me get back to like feeling normal again. <laughs> but it was like, it's something I like to do now. It's just to like, get out there. I always keep a basketball in my car. I always keep a skateboard in my car. So yeah, man, that's good. So do you mind talking about your stroke a little bit or you want to move on yeah. or whatever? No, I'm, I can talk about it. Yeah. So like what happened? You woke up or what was so, going on? I'll give you, I'll give you a whole rundown. It was like, um, I had a really bad virus. Like it was, it was like maybe like last like four days had a really bad fever, but there was no other symptoms, just fever, bad fever, take a Motrin to get the fever down. After the virus went away, after the fever went away, I started getting these crazy headaches and it was just kind of like every once in a while, like I'd wake up and like my head was just like, I was like, it was like a weird pain. It was like just on the one side of my head. And I'm like, what? And I never get headaches. I never got headaches my whole life. It's, you know, like I, I, the only time I ever had headaches is when I was like, my eyes were like in bad shape and I had to get glasses. It was, it was like, just like, you know, front, like, you know, the front of my head headaches, nothing crazy. But this was like, just like something I never felt before. And I was like, you know, went to, so it lasted a couple of days. I went to urgent care. Urgent care was like, uh, you know what? You, you had some sinusitis. There's some, like some, you know, remnants of like what you had sinusitis, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, that's probably all it is. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I go home and two days later, after I went to urgent care, my, I get a droopy eye, my eyes droop it. And I was like, this isn't cool. Like this is, so I was like, we went to the ER and the ER was like, you know, blood pressure, everything, blood work, everything checked out. Everything was good. Cat scan came back fine. You know, so they're like, sent me home. Like, yeah, it's Bell's palsy. It's probably from the virus yet. The sinusitis, they said that could cause that too. So I'm like, all right, that went away in like a day. A couple days, a few days it took to go, go away, but that went away. I'm like, all right, probably not a stroke, you know. So I'm like, I'm I feel like the that week after that, I'm, I'm getting like this knot in the back of my head, my neck, like right behind my ear, a little below my ear. And I'm like, what the every time I move my head, I'm like this shooting pain in my head. I'm like, fuck. I was like, I think it's like muscular. I think it's just something with my muscle in the back of my neck now. And I was like, I don't think it has anything to do with the virus. So I'm like, all right, you know. So I go to acupuncture and it went away. Two days, I felt fucking full relief. I felt great. I'm like, all right, probably just muscular. I was working on a job, wrapped the job up, going to shore the next day. I come home, feel great. Had a beer, had a little bit of whiskey. I'm hanging out with my kids, like just having fun, super happy, ready to go. My hand goes numb and my lip goes numb, like my one side of my lip. So I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, I, th- I thought I pinched a nerve. Like my head went to, I probably pinched a nerve. That's it. So. You know, I got I went to sleep <laughs> like an idiot, but I wasn't thinking. I'm like, yeah, it's probably just a nerve. Wake up and I'm like, my hand's still numb. And I tell her, I'm like, I can't go to the shore with this on my mind. So I'm like, we went to the ER, did all work up, cat scan, came back clean again, everything was fine. My blood pressure was through the roof because I was so fucking nervous. Like when they said you might have had a stroke, I just my heart would my heart rate wouldn't calm down. I was just like, you know, like since you're oh, since your blood pressure's high this time, we're gonna we're going to do the MRI. They did an MRI and they found it. So if I wasn't as nervous, they wouldn't even have found the stroke, you know, because yeah, I check, man. I check my blood pressure on the reg and I fucking go to the, I've been going to the doctors like every four months and like always normal, <laughs> you know, 
So um, I had slightly high cholesterol, but I didn't have any other like underlying symptoms, which is fucking scary. But at the same time, like I, I'm almost 95% sure it was the virus. So yeah. I'm not a doctor. I can't, even my doctor was like, it sounds like it could have had something to do with the virus you had, but we'll never really know. There's no right. way to really know that. So obviously, you know, you're, seems like you're doing pretty good, but like you yeah. don't have the, you know, the major stroke long-term effects. My grandmother had one. I don't know if she had it before I was born, but like I always remember growing up and then she just had like the speech issue that like the mouth on the one side was, you know, tough to form like the, the B sound. So she's going to ever call yeah. me Brian. Uh, it, it's good, man. That, that That's lucky that that's all it was, but that's also crazy that, you know, they're like, Oh, we think it's just the virus. Like, well, I, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, you know, I'll never know what it was. And it's like, kind of like lifestyle wise, man, I, I, I just ran the fucking broad street run. I'm running like six to 10 miles a day, like every, like, you know, three times a week. And it's like, I was probably in the best shape of my life then. Like that's, that's the fucked up part where it's like, felt like I was doing everything right. You know, like, I'm not like, I wasn't heavy drinking, you know, I, I never did drugs in my life. Like I would fuck around with like CBD or like, you know, two to one CBD, THC shit. Like I'm not a big, I was never a big pot smoker, never did any other drugs, never did pills on that shit. So there's nothing like that. Oh, it, it's not one of them things like, Oh, this dude was doing all this shit before he partied all the time. Wasn't that dude, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The it lifestyle was just, wasn't catching up to you. The healthy yeah, lifestyle caught up to you. I hope you learned your lesson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, yeah, I, I gotta stop. I gotta stop running, eating like shit now because I had a stroke. <laughs> so, yeah, I started um, McDonald's and just sitting on the couch all the time. Like, oh, I feel great now. <laughs> my mom had a heart attack when she was fifty, and I had a stroke when I was forty-five. So I was like, ah, I guess genetics. But I'm like, at the same time, my mom was smoking two to three packs of Marble Reds, you know, drinking and like just like. My mom had a hard life stress-wise because when my dad died, she had to think like my mom was like 28 when my dad passed away. So it's like 28 with four fucking kids. I'd be smoking like a carton of marble heads, you know, oh, if I had yeah. especially the kind of kids we were like, it's like fucking doing dumb shit all the time. <laughs> it, it's amazing. You know, just one, like how humans continue to move on. Cause there's always like, you know, hard times and, you know, like your mom passing away and then like the World War II generation, like so many of them were single parents and it just yeah. had like 50 kids and was like, oh, I have 50 kids and, you know, I work 50 jobs and like yet still push on. And then you see some of the TikTok generation and they don't even have a job and they can't handle life. And it's like, well, uh, you know, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> My mom still, I mean, she had a heart attack, but she's still, she's 70. She's still kicking now. She's still, she's still around. Yeah, and, no, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, but like, um. Yeah. So I was worried about like, you know, I have a 21 year old and he's like, I would worry about like what would happen if like, you know, when he, when he had, when he had the first time he had to deal with death was my grandma and just to see hey, the way he reacted. I'm like, Oh man, this is like really hard on him. And he don't even see her that much, you know, but his grandpa passed recently. He's getting older. And I think he's learning how to deal with it, but I feel like you worry about your kids and how they're going to handle shit growing up. Cause now it's like, we have grandparents and their, their grandparents are going to pass eventually. And they're going to have to deal with that. And it's like, you don't want to see them go through that, but it's like, you're just hoping they're old enough to like, you know, figure it out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's the heart. You know, you want to do everything for your kids. And it's like this fine line of being like this helicopter parent of like, I yeah. can't protect you from the whole world, but then also like, what can I just help you get better at while like, you know, being a parent and also like a buddy of like, Hey, watch out for these pitfalls here, here, and here. 
but like you know death is something you can't really prepare them for and it just sucks that like you put all that effort into being a parent it's like fuck man like i can't even control this at all yeah this is some of them things you just got to like learn like you know roll with the punches i guess dude it's like it's it's tough to like I, I went through, I feel like when I, after, after I went through that whole anxiety thing, it was like, I went on Lexapro for a bit. So I'm, I'm still on a low dose of Lexapro. I was on, I was on 20 mil. I went from five, 10 to 20. Now I went from 20 to 10 to five. I'm back on five and I'm like feeling great. But it's like, I feel like after being on that and kind of like, it helps me deal with, it's like, it's not like, I, I don't think I'm going to need it the rest of my life because I already weaned myself down a bunch off of it, but it's like, and like again, dude, if I have to, I will. I like I'm, I don't. If you have to go into antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds, fucking do it, man. Like that's it's like you know you could take uh, like like Xanax and fucking Klonopin that shit, but that's like temporary. If you take something like you know Lexaprozole, stuff like that, it could save your fucking life, dude. I, I'm I'm a firm believer in it, you know. So it's like I help, I feel like it helped me deal with like other anxieties in my life that I used to have, like just like general like. Like I, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and I'm like, makes sense. I worry about the dumbest shit sometimes, you know? And I felt like I, like recently I've been a lot better. Like I've been more focused on my business, more focused on family shit and just like drink coffee again, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I couldn't drink coffee, I know what I would do. That would be, a, oh man. Oh, dude, I, I went, trust me, man. It was, it was rough because right after I had the stroke, well, especially when I was in the anxiety thing, drinking decaf it sucked man i'm like ah the fuck and i'm not myself i couldn't like i was i wasn't drinking like beer for a while and like it's like you know and, and drinking beer like I'm, I'm having a couple now because it's like it helps me relax and like like just go with the flow it's talking but it's like i don't drink i'm not i'm not a big drinker anymore so i live out in medford i don't have i can't just walk to a bar anymore you know i was living in philly i lived in philly for 45 years and i moved a year and a half ago to medford new jersey so yeah but yeah, this house is, it's fucking great. We got, a, we got a half acre, which is cool. And like, you know, it's like enough land for the kids to run around and then we're not touching anybody else's house, which I don't miss that fucking shit in Philly anymore, man. It's <laughs> like sharing steps with people. We, the, the one lady we shared a step with, it was like, uh, she was just a terrible person, man. I couldn't deal with her no more. And yeah. um, I feel bad that I, I kind of feel bad that I saw it to a buddy of mine, but it's like, I don't, he, he's quiet. He's on tour all the time. He's not going to. Yeah. He like he probably don't even talk to the lady next door. He probably don't ever see her. So, and yeah. she's gonna move, or you know, the inevitable happen, and he'll be fine. He'll have new neighbors. Yeah, she well, she was um, her mom was great. Her my she was her mom was like ninety five when she passed, and she we used to go over there when my, my my son was like little, and I'd bring him over. I'd bring her dinner over. Her daughter moved in. It was one of them like you know, hand me down houses. Like mom dies, her like you know fifty five sixty year old like daughter takes over and just doesn't do anything she all she did was smoke weed all day just not didn't didn't work i don't know how the fuck she was getting by i have no idea so yeah man that's i don't miss that we lived in philly with my parents for a little bit and like, the row homes in kensington and like i miss none of that our old house our our driveways were separated by like a foot from like the other neighbors and like they were pretty cool but also it's kind of annoying if like you're trying to get in your car and you have to, like make sure you're not digging somebody but, like how do i own like a single family house and like i can't even open my car door all the way like, I, yeah. first of all I, problems i don't know yeah i loved everything about the city up until like you know when i when i start getting used to here i'm like yeah this is great <laughs> like you know i got a fireplace you know it's like you know i could let a fire when i want we got a you know fire pit in the backyard 
when the Phillies and Eagles games are on, like when it's nice out, I'll put the projector screen out back and have people over. And it's like, I can't do like we had a little deck in South Philly and we, I would hang them the sheet over the deck and put like the projector on it. But it was like out here, it's like, you got all this fucking space. And it's like, the kids are running around, you're watching the game and like barbecue. And it's, it's awesome. It's, it's so nice. And it's such a different lifestyle. Even our house in Stratford was like suburbs, but like we still don't let the kids go that far. And, you know, I'm sure for the Philly for the same thing, like your kids, like, Hey, you guys can't really ride the, your bike around the block. Like you can ride maybe a couple of houses and turn around. But now here yeah. you're like, uh, Oh, you have like these watches. You can track them. And you're like, just, just go. Just, it's fine. Yeah. My kids are five and I mean, uh, six and eight. So it's like, we're, we're getting to that point where my son wants to like, you know, he'll eventually we'll let him take off and do his thing. But I feel like when I was his age, I was doing that, <laughs> but like, yeah. it's like, you know, like the helicopter change though. At some point though, you know, it's like, it's weird. It's like yeah. it's this whole social media of like it is real life and it's not real life, but also like we see news, we see news stories like you would never see like when you're growing up and you get them instantly. So like you know the the world's like the scary place and like hey it kind of is and also if you turn off social media it's also a pretty normal place. But yeah. like you know it's like this weird thing of like how far do my kids go and you know how far do I let whatever. Well, yeah, I try to avoid it. Like I, I I barely watch the news, man. I try not to even do it anymore. I'm just like. Like you said, like, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's a scary place, but like the same time, I feel like we're fortunate to live where we're at. And it's like, it's a good, it's a really fucking solid place. Yeah. I even, I mean, I love living in South Philly too. Like I loved everything about South Philly. My heart's still in South Philly. It's like, I love, like I'm there all the time for work. I'm there for friends. And it's like, you know, like, but it's like, at the same time, it's, you know, I don't know, you get older and you want to kind of like where do I want to retire at? You know, who I want to retire in South Philly or I want to retire in the woods. And I'm like, I kind of want to be in the woods. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's so, beautiful out here. You ever try to go to farmhouse or anything or, or do some shows oh, over there? What's, uh, fa- uh, yeah, yeah. I, um, farm truck, the farm truck. Yeah. Farm truck. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I was going to play the open mic last night. I actually got, I'm buds with the dude that does it now. I, you know, I went there a couple of times and played and it's kind of funny. You know, I, I played a, you know, a few of my songs and like every time I go in there, so I have a song called Whiskey Neat and it's like the bitch took my dog. She took my house. And like every time I walk in farm truck, the fucking one bartender's like, the bitch took my dog. <laughs> you know, so it's like <laughs> and it's like, you know, we have a joke about it. Now I, I walked a couple of weeks ago, my son was uh he was down, my son goes to school in uh Boston, my oldest son, <laughs> and he was down for uh Thanksgiving. And I, I was like, you know, I, I owed him a couple beers because he turned 21 when he was in Boston. So I was like, yeah, let's go to farm trucks. We go to farm truck. We walk in. I same bartender's there. He's like, bitch took my dog. My son's laughing. I was like, dude, they fucking know me out here. I'm a celebrity. Already. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. All right. So your son's in Boston. It is he's not like turning into a Red Sox and a, a Patriots fan, is he? Oh, no, he never will, man. He's right, a, right. he, he know he knows I'll disown him if he does that. <laughs> he raised him right. <laughs> That's it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, you start, like, fucking, you start yelling Patriots or Red Sox or yeah, yeah fuck that. Gotta like, go Celtics. Like, fuck you, man. Don't come back. Yeah. All right. All right. You can wear a Larry Bird jersey. That's, that's as far yeah. as it goes, man. Larry Bird's <laughs> fine. Yeah. yeah. So actually, today's his birthday. I, I just saw that. I saw that today. He's uh, oh, shit, no, really he's old. Yeah. 64 or something. Yeah. Wow, dude. Yeah. I just, I just, I remember back in the day when uh, like House of Pain came out and everybody went to rock a fucking Celtics Larry Bird jersey because Everlast was wearing it. Yeah. But yeah, he, um, my son's up in Boston. He's, uh, he is, he's a data science major and he's probably gonna be fucking killing it. Like, you know, when he gets out, but he's doing, he's doing his co-op right now, but he's in the, he's in the music too. Like he played in a band called Noise Plant when, uh, 
right before the pandemic pandemic hit and they were going to go on tour and it, it fucking ruined everything for them. Uh, <clears throat> all the kids kind of like just, you know, they kind of stopped, not, not stopped talking, but it was like, you know, James is going up to college and everybody else is going to college. And they were just like kids that were like 17, 18 years old. And this band, like they're called noise plant. And, and um, I forget what the, the name of the EP they put out was uh, other side maybe, but it was there. It's, it's fucking incredible. It's like for like, 17, 18 year old kids, the shit I was doing when I was 17 and 18, it was like shitty four track recordings and sounded like dog shit. Like it's, it was terrible. This stuff sounds great. And my son's like a really good guitar player. And it's like, he always tells me I'm an influence. I'm like, dude, I'm not a good guitar player. I just play cowboy chords. And like, I, sometimes I dick around with some like modest mouse built to spill type stuff, but it's like, this kid's incredible. And he, he did that. He's like, he hasn't been playing music much. Cause he's like, you know, Kid's a straight A student, so he's like you know school first, but he's actually booking shows for northeast north northeastern the school he's going to for their record label. So he That's books, awesome. yeah, he books shows. He has like every other. He just booked a show recently, and he books everything. He books hip hop. He books pop punk or you know like indie whatever it is. And some some of the genres, I'm like I don't. I feel like such an old fuck now where it's like I never heard of this shit, dude. Like I don't know what this is, but he's like yeah, I listen to this. I'm like. Yeah, let me hear. It. He goes, "You're not gonna like it." I'm like, "Give it a shot, dude." I'm like, yeah. "You're," right. I'm like, "You're right. I don't like it." <laughs> I was like, yeah, "This shit sucks." But now nah, it's like he does. He he he's it. But he started like, I started taking him to shows. Like I took him to, you know, you said Dave Hoss. I took him to see Dave Hoss when he was like eight at a at a record store, and I, I knew Dave like like Dave. You know, he played him. He played in a band with Dave Adolph from Cross Keys. They were like best friends. Yeah. So like I knew him, you know, I knew all them dudes since we were kids, you know, just going to shows at Stalag and West Philly shit. So like I was like, oh, this dude's playing like acoustic shows. I'll take my son, who's eight, get him a jump start on punk rock a little bit. Took him to see the Dead Milkman at a Doc Martin store when he was eight years old. And like, you know, from there it was like took him to, you know, more shows and more shows and more shows. Then like it's like, you know, flash forward, it's like I'm watching like I don't know if you ever watch Hate Five Six, like Sony from Hate Five Six. There's all the filming for like punk shows and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I find a show that my son was at and see my son like stage diving. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's that's great. So they had, uh, so this is probably twenty twenty one summer twenty one. So Halls was playing in King of Prussia, and it was like under the stars night or whatever, and kids were free. So before I knew that, I hit my buddy up. I was like, hey, man, you want to go? He's like, oh, sorry, man, I got daddy daycare. And I was like, all right, all right, no problem, no problem. So I started doing more research. And I was like, hey, man, do you want to go? And like, our kids are free to go. So he brought his two sons. I brought my son. So his kids were probably like eight and five. And my son was eight at that time. And we go up and, and we're watching them. And so I, I play, you know, Dave songs all, all the time on Amazon. And my son didn't like understand what a concert was, I don't think. Like, so we got there. Like, he didn't understand like who he was seeing. So then as he starts playing stuff, he's like, he's like, dad, like this is the guy you, you listen to on the radio. Yeah, like, yes, that. man. Like, this is it. This is it. So this like little kid runs up like to the front of the stage with his little guitar and like Dave starts interacting with him. He's like, hey, man, you'll come up here and like, you know, play with us. And then a minute later, like more kids like start creeping up. They're creeping, creeping, creeping. He's like, do you like all you kids want to come up? And next thing you know, there's like a hundred kids like on stage uh, and just like dancing around with them. And then I got a picture of my son standing next to Dave as he's, as he's uh, wailing away. I was like, That's fucking cool. great. And now my son brings up all the time. He's like, hey, dad, when can we go back? When can we go do this? So, dude, that, that should have changed, that changed like, kids' lives, man. Like seeing shit like that. It's like, I took, um, 
So my son was like, this is a few years back. He was, I think he just turned 16 or 17, just got his license. And you, you heard of the Menzingers, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. But they're good friends of mine. Actually, Greg from the Menzingers bought my house in South Philly. Oh, and awesome. Joey, the drummer, I met him a while back through my buddy Eric. But, um, you know, when they play in Philly, I'm like, oh, you want to come out? I'm like, yeah, cool. And, like, you know, get me backstage and all that shit. So me and my son kind of bonded on that because it was like one of them bands that, like, you know, I'm like, I never really gave them a shot until I met them because it was kind of like I heard of them, but I was like, I'm a little older and jaded and like, fucking, I don't know. I listen to this. This is what I listen to. And this is what I listen to until I die. <laughs> so, but now, I mean, it, it, like I started opening my mind more about stuff, but like I got me and my son bonded on them. We got into them and like, you know, we go to the shows and I just, we, Joey's like, yo, dude, go backstage, drink whatever you want. And I'm like, cool. And I look at my son, I'm like, you're driving home tonight. <laughs> this is gonna be your <laughs> so I was like, cause I, my car, I, the car that he drove home and I actually wind up giving him that car. But I'm like, this is going to be your test, dude. So I, I got fucking shit hammered. <laughs> just like <laughs> drinking keg, keg, shitty keg beer. And I'm just like watching the dudes fucking, you know, you know, do their thing. And like watching my son, like crowd surf and fucking singing along. I'm like, this is fucking awesome, man. Like seeing your kid do that shit. It's like, it's why, cause it's like you, you grew up with music and you're watching your kids do the same shit you're doing. I'm like, how the fuck did this happen? I must be doing something right. <laughs> you know, Dude, definitely doing something right. Yeah. yeah. But so I, I, I listen to Gaslight Anthem uh, radio on Pandora all the time or on like, Amazon music, same thing. And the Menzingers, please come back to Philly. I don't know the name of this, the title, yeah, uh, but say like something uh, like that. And um, I think the song's called. Yeah. I mean, it's what, so I, I heard that and I was like, I was like, oh, I like this. Like, let me see who these guys are. So I find them out and I find that they're from the Scranton area. And my wife grew up in that area. I was like, uh, you know, but she's older than them. I'm like, do you know these guys? Like, no, no, I don't know. But I started listening to them and and they're really, really good. And they were just in town, uh, what, middle of November, right? End of November? Yeah, I think I missed them. I think I was away. I think we were in uh, Paris when they they played last. And um, we just did a big trip that Paris to Iceland. I'll get into that a little bit. But it was like. um, Life of a rock star, man. You're world traveling. (laughs) Yeah. I don't play anywhere there. It was just, that was a big, that was a fucking family vacation. That was like in-laws and kids. It was, it was awesome. But like at the same time, it's like when you got a 70 year old fucking father-in-law that just wants to like do everything possible. I'm like, dude, when are you going to slow the fuck down? (laughs) Chill. But like, yeah, it was like they, when they played, we were over there and I would have loved to see them. I love seeing them dudes. They're, they're great fucking dudes. They, They all, they all bought houses in Philly. They're all, you know, they all, they're they're great musicians, man. Like they're and they're one of them bands. It's like they're the same band that they have been since they were like teenagers, and like they're just all bros. You know, they're not like fucking. Oh, we got new members. They're fighting this and that. It's now it's for them. It's like it's a business, but it's also like a brotherhood. And like I I respect them dudes a lot. You know, it's like That's awesome. getting to know them dudes over the past few years. I'm like I'm lucky I fucking met them dudes. They're fucking good dudes. You know, yeah. I, I love seeing a band that's actually good people doing good things you know right it's always the dickheads that are like people that can't like they don't know how to like develop a relationship with each other or they're like fighting they're arguing i'm like dude like you have a good band you know do your thing man like figure out your differences because like you're grown-ups do it and they they do that they they're they're just like for for a lot of reasons they're probably one of the better bands out there right now so yeah i like what they put out and it's always hard like Motley Crue, they fell off for a while. I mean, this is where I was talking like heavy metal, which like fell off for a while anyway. But like Guns N' Roses, they like, got their height. Like they couldn't like keep it together. And it's like, like don't you guys see? Like you're making money doing what you want to do. Like yeah. you just like figure that shit out. And like, like you guys were buddies before all this. 
you know, it's tough. It's and like, then I was just, I was listening to, uh, do you ever listen to the, the podcast Disgraceland? It's really yeah. good. So, so this guy, uh, Jake, I forget his last name, but he'll, he'll, he has two podcasts. One's all about music and the other one's all about Hollywood. And it's all about like the, the bad stories behind it or whatever it might be. So he was doing Jane's addiction and Dave Navarro's mother was murdered when he was 13, like all this horrible stuff. And like the guy wasn't arrested until he was like 21 or 22. And then Dave knew the guy, like it was his mother's boyfriend who did it. So like he knew who the guy was. And Perry Farrell, the lead singer of Jane's Addiction, he was like, well, I write the songs, so I get 50% of the writing credits. And because I'm one third of the band, I get, I think it was one third, one third, one quarter, whatever it was. He's like, I get that on top of it. So he was like double, triple dipping, like really put a strain on the band. And it's like, okay, I get, I get you want to get paid for what you put in, but there's also this point where you kind of like, you guys are, are a group and like split it evenly, or you're going to, you know, they, they didn't last that long. They, they burned bright and burned out and, you know, they still come back here and that here and now. Yeah, man. It's, it's a shame that bands can't be like, all right, we started as a band. Let's like, my wife's a big Pearl Jam fan. And that's another band that's like, I feel like they kind of split things evenly and they kind of, I mean, they're fucking huge too, but it's like at the same time, it's like they're, I'm not a big fucking Pearl Jam fan. It's, it's weird because my wife is like just her and her family, they'll, they'll basically like go wherever to see Pearl Jam. You know, they've been to a ton of places just, just to see them. They drug me to like, uh, where the hell we go the one time. Vancouver. I can't remember. We went somewhere to see them. We traveled somewhere. All I remember is Band of Horses opened up for them. And I was like, I love Band of Horses. One of my favorite bands. We had second row and it was awesome. Cause they were like in the 10 club, but like, that's one of the bands that it's like, uh, you know, they kind of held it together. It's one of those things. that's like you, I wish like these bands would be, give them a fucking week working on a union construction site. Right. Like, to, what do you want to do? Cold, like, like extreme cold or extreme hot. Like where yeah. you have to shit in a porta potty on top of a, like someone a, else's a shit that just shot a pile, yeah, a pile of other men's shit. Like <laughs> yeah. you worried about like, like yeah. do that, do that for a fucking week to a month. You'll appreciate what you have and you'll probably maybe develop more of a camaraderie with your, your bros. You know, it's right. stupid. Yeah. Like Oasis, like you guys were brothers. Like, you know, I, I get all legit brothers didn't brothers. grow up. Like, <laughs> like legit, right? right. Yeah, you know, like I happen to like my brothers, my my family. And I know that can be weird for some people. As you know, you hear the, the stories are, the Thanksgiving horror stories. But like the Gallagher brothers grew up playing music, made it as brothers, and then fucking hated each other on this world stage. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is the problem, man? Like that's I, I same thing with the count, the, the um, not the count, Chris, the black crows. Them dudes were like, they're brothers and they did the same shit. It's like, you know, and now they're cashing in and playing shows and stuff like that, where it's like, ah, fucking. When I hear about bands that like used to fight all the time and then they come back, it's like Jawbreaker. I'm like, I don't have no interest in seeing them dudes because like I know the singer's dick. I heard stories about that dude and I'm like, yeah, he put out some good shit, but I'm like, fuck him. I'm like, I don't want to see that. I don't care. Like right. they're just, I mean, they're cat. I mean, I get it. I'm all about like punk bands, like cashing in. Like if Cross Keys got a big record deal and played, I'm like, dudes, go for it. Like, this is why you do this. You want to fucking like, you want to make some money off it, off your talent. Like there's no point in being like, I'm so punk that I can't make money off my fucking music. That's stupid to me. But like, that's it's the like, people who say that who aren't ever going to make it. They're like, yeah, how yeah. dare you? You're like, dude, like I, I'm trying to be punk. It's like, yeah, dude, you're going to, no, I don't know, man. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But, it's, it's tough. It's tough. All right. So you're in Catholic school. You've got the nun yelling at you. You've got your anthrax tapes. When does you see so your and your dad played music? Are you playing the guitar at that point? Are you getting into other music or, or so, <laughs> instruments? My when I was that young, I was I guess I was like a metalhead when I was like 11, 12 years old. 
And my uh, my mom bought me a guitarist. I wanted a guitarist. I wanted to sound like Metallica. I was like, I want to sound like James Hetfield. You know, like, I want to be Metallica. My mom buys me this fucking guitar with this little amp. And I strum and I'm like, this don't sound like Metallica. And I didn't know shit about like pedals or none of that shit when I was younger. So I had no one to like help me out. You know, you know, my dad's not around anymore. My mom's like, doesn't know anything about playing guitar. I'm hanging out with friends that just listen to music and didn't know much about it. So like I had a guitar when I was little and didn't really get too much into it. And I'm going to try to like, jump to when I'm in my late teens where it's like, all right, I didn't do anything really music. It was like metal. Then I got into like gangster rap and I would, you know, I was like a hood rat kid with my friends. Like I just kind of like, you know, selling weed and dumb shit like that. And like, it was kind of like trying to blend in with the neighborhood. And I was like, I got to find something different. This isn't good for me. My buddy who moved out of Philly from Florida came back down. He got me into skateboarding. So I kind of moved on from like being a wannabe gangster kid to like, you know, start a skateboarding when I was around 17, 18. And I was like, my buddy who moved back from Florida, moved back to Philly from Florida got me uh hooked up with some dudes that were skating and we did that and i met dudes that played music and my one buddy asked me to sing for him when i was about 18 or 19 and i started singing in a band called one left standing where it was like you know they were a band before me then they had my buddy rich singing for them and they were like kind of going more on the hardcore side and like i started singing for them we were trying to do like we were trying to edge towards like the h2o kind of thing you know the posi hardcore stuff the cross key stuff <laughs> but like it's like it just didn't, it, it was kind of shitty. We didn't like whatever. And we broke up and then I kind of started a band called Baracus with these dudes that were like trying to do like, like they were, they were write songs and like sometimes the parts didn't make sense to me. So I had them like kind of like not dumb it down, but kind of like, yo, write this, do this, do this, and try to tell them to put certain parts, certain places. And I would just, they would, they were always telling me, the one dude was like, can you try to sing like Lane Staley? I'm like, no. I was like, I can't <laughs> do that. I was like, I think that's like, fuck, you're asking me to sing like Lane Staley? I was like, I could scream, I could talk, and I could write lyrics. That's about it. That's what I got for you, man. So I was like, that's <laughs> what I bring to the table. And I got the energy. If you want the energy, I'll bring that too. So like, we just like, like once I started playing with them, they were kind of like happy with what like I was doing. Because it was more like more or less like I was like a, I would get compared to like a, Suicidal Tendencies, Mike from Suicidal Tendencies, a singer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of get that vibe, you know, kind of just a little bit of talky, a little bit of screamy, a little bit of like, so I did that. I did that. We were on a compilation. We played a few shows and like we had like, we started getting like a little bit of a following, but it was like nothing crazy. Like we would like, you know, the last couple of shows we played, I'm like, damn, these kids are singing along. I've fucking never seen these kids in my life, you know? And it kind of ended abruptly where it was like, I had a falling out with the kid, the, the dudes in the band. And like, it was like, it, they got another singer at one point and he had like a fucking Marilyn Manson tattoo on his neck. And it's like just some like pill head from like, like Northeast Philly. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and, um, we played, they used to have shows at Pizzeria Uno of a South street. I don't know if you remember any of that, but it was like, how old are you? 42. Okay. So I'm a little bit older. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. But who knows on South street? I don't, I don't remember there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, there was Pizzeria Uno. It was like, yeah. Um, they used to have shows and shit. And the one time we played, it was like when I was playing with that band, I remember like I would I would do shit like jump up on tables and I did a flip and I fucking knocked this whole table over and like pasta and shits everywhere. Like so pissed. <laughs> and like, you know, I'm like in my early 20s, just like obnoxious, like, you know, the hardcore singer. And it's like when they had the new singer playing, my the dudes in this other band we played with, they're called they were called Burnout, all really good dudes. 
And they were like, uh, oh, you should, you should sing a song with them. I'm like, well, they have the other singer. I can't sing a song. They're like, dude, just do it. Just get the mic and do it. So I'm like, they egged me on. And I fucking grabbed the mic off the kid, sing the song. These kids from the burnout come up and they fucking start singing along. They had a blast. And when it was over, I just grabbed the mic and just fucking smashed it. And <laughs> the dude that was promoting the show runs out after me. He's like, what the fuck, Joe? You owe me a new mic, this and that. I was like, no, fucking tell them to stop playing my song. <laughs> just fucking walked away from him and then like the fucking the one dude um the guitar player in a band me and him had it out like we were like in each other's faces out front and stuff but it was like that was like one of them things it was like one of them bands that like it was like i didn't know how to play guitar i just knew how to write songs right i just knew how to write lyrics and i'm like i'll do this and that's what i bring to the table and like but didn't really start playing guitar until i was like probably mid-20s you know just dicking around with like trying to write songs so so you mentioned Springsteen earlier, and then one of the songs that I don't know your, your group or, or you did, but it, it's El Wingador. So oh, yeah. It's kind of like the Atlantic City, and then it's El Wingador, and you know, blew up the Chicken Man last night about that. <laughs> uh, and it's a fucking great song. You know, it's it, I get you know, not like funny, haha. I guess like ironic or something like the way the way it goes, and like and a good song on top of it. And El Wingador was like, you know, he was the man for a while. Oh, you but, know, uh, I mean, you're you're a Jersey dude. You have to know who yeah. a Wingador is. Like, dude, I've been at so many wing bowls. I, I would go to wing bowl all the time. That dude was a house. And he got busted for selling coke, distributing coke, like more than just selling. But, yeah. uh, you know, but he had his own hot sauce. I think he had a partnership <laughs> in a restaurant. He had a lot going on. But like, hey, that song dude. was like fucking awesome. Yeah, that's that was one of them things. It was like, so my buddy, Joel, he was in a band, Plow United. I don't know if you remember Plow United, but... uh Recently, he's in a band, band called the Blackburns. Shout out to them. They're, they're fucking great. Black. Anyway, he plays bass on the album, Joel. Joel Tannenbaum. And, but he he get and gave me the idea. He saw the article. He was like, you hear this shit, dude? Like about El Wingador? I'm like, he's like, dude, you should write a song about this. <laughs> so I was like, yo, you're on to something. So my buddy Jimmy, who's not a songwriter, just one of my best friends that like I drink whiskey in his back. You know, we hang out, drink whiskey. One night we were just in his backyard drinking and I was telling him the you know, Joel told me to write the song. So me and him started riffing on fucking like the chorus, like, you know, like, and my buddy Jimmy's like, yo, he probably had a fucking kilo of cocaine to his head and he was trying to get the weed to LA. So that's like the chorus is like one kilo to get him to LA. And he's like, we're like doing the math. He's like, dude, 20, 254 chicken. I don't even know if this is true, but like, it just like, it just sounded good in the song. It's like, oh yeah, like roughly like, it's like 60 pounds of chicken. I don't think that's true, but it's like, we were like, oh, he ate 60 pounds of chicken in his glory days. So I'm like, yo, I'm going to write this song with a lot of Springsteen references. And the idea I got like with the whole, like stopping the song and then going into Atlantic city, like they pulled over the chicken man in Philly in Nebraska last night, yeah. you know, tying in the album, Nebraska with like, you know, the whole deal, you know? So it's like that idea. I kind of got with my buddy side pocket Louie. He has a song called Lou Bloom, Toe Tow truck blues. He does a whole song about Lou Bloom, you know, the tow truck driver, dude, you know? Who yeah, that yeah, is? yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I've heard he, that. Yeah. Uh, if you heard that hit the like, side pocket Louie song, he's a dude, you might want to get him on. He's an interesting dude. He has that song and he, he goes into a misfit song. Like he's like, you know, he, I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. And he's like, Kind of like he, he sings a song and he goes off like kind of how I do that. But mine's a little bit different. But I'm like, I kind of got the idea off him a little bit because me and him kind of like played a lot of shows together, you know, good buds. And, we you know, talk a lot about music together. But it's like and it, we'll, we'll definitely bounce songs off each other a lot, too. So that was a really fun song to write. And it's one of them songs that like you'll who's going to write a song about El Wingador? 
know, I yeah, he's like, the, he's, he's one of them dudes. And like, he needs a song written about him. I mean, that dude's the fucking man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's a cult classic for here. And like, and just like such a, a time period that he existed in of that, like 2000 to like, I guess it was like 07, 08. And it was his heyday of, of the wing eating, the chicken wing eating. Nine, uh, whatever it was then, six ten back then. WIP all the time yeah. calling in and and doing stuff. Like what? What a local hero. So I don't know if you know this. Like you know, so he got caught with two hundred and fifty four pounds weed, right? Oh, oh, I thought he had the coke. Yeah, but I, I knew I knew he was uh, he, caught for distributing. He, I think he got caught with a, a kilo of coke, but he had two hundred fifty four pounds of uh, weed. But the fucking crazy thing is, is that he his wing eating record was two hundred and fifty four wings. <laughs> so you know the type of dude he's a sports dude that's a superstition thing yeah. you know for a fact that that motherfucker was like uh i can't take 255 man i'll take 254 <laughs> you take that take that other pound of weed for yourself you know so that that's the theory we came up with i'm like there's it, it has to be dude it's just so, it's too much of a coincidence for him to like you know walk away with 200 it's it's a weird number like yeah yeah. Hopefully he's out of jail now. I'll have to look him up and see what he's doing. But that, that you know, maybe he'll come to the show. Dude, I bought his book too. He has a book called Snow on the Barbed Wire. And that's where I got the idea for I mean, that's like the, the beginning verse when he well, the second verse when he's like, you know, he was gonna be a big baseball player. Like he was a baseball player and like I think he lived in National Park and he lived out this way too. I think he lived near Medford or in Medford for a little bit. So like he's like a South Jersey legend. Yeah. Oh <laughs> um, man. Did you ever go to Wing Bowl growing up, or you know? In, oh in the yeah, area? Dude. yeah. I lived. I lived. Mess. With, <laughs> dude, it's disgusting. And um, I I lived. Yeah, just seeing those big fat faces on the jumbotron with like fucking chicken wings coming out of their mouth, and like it's oh, man, it's the best though. I lived on Heart Ramp Street, which is Philly's Drive. Basically, it turns into Philly's Drive. Eighteen nineteen Heart Ramp. Me and my wife it was our first apartment. And I used to, my buddy one day. He's like, dude, we go to Wing Bowl. I'm like, he's like, you got to be up at like five o'clock and. I'm like, what? I was like, all right, fuck it, dude. So we start drinking at like 5, 5.30 in the morning. And it's just like, it's a shit show the whole time. It's just like a mess, dude. Like, just like, there's like, I just remember like, we're fucking hammering out there. People are throwing bottles at buses and shit in the parking lot. And it was just, it was wild. One of the ones that sticks out in my mind that we went to was in 04 when the Eagles were going to the Super Bowl. So that was the the Friday in between the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. So that, that off week, they had that. And we closed out the bar, you know, we were, we were growing up. So like three, three o'clock in the morning, they closed. All right. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> like, all right, we got it. We got to head over. And that like three to five time period was like rough to like keep going. Cause if you started a little bit earlier and I remember getting into Wachovia center and then going up and I was like, Oh, I, I need a rum and Coke. And she's like, looked at like the disgust on her face. of like, <laughs> we don't start serving hard alcohol until eight o'clock in the morning. So you can get a beer and get a Coke. Like, oh, no, I'll take a beer. Then. That's fine. But what a mess. And that was the uh, the Black Widow year, that uh, that little Asian woman who just like sucked yeah. down the wings and she was like 90 pounds and she beat everybody, beat all those dudes. So a crazy story. My buddy did it for a long time. His name was Hank the Tank, Henry Goldie. I okay. grew up in uh, Southwest Philly. He, he lived around the corner from me. Then he, all of a sudden he was in the wing ball. And like one year he got in an argument with the judge. And I think it might've been one of the years of wing it or one. And he threw a pitcher of beer on the judge. And he was disqualified for like a year after that, I think. Ah, that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah hang the tank, man. I get yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I love, but 
I love seeing when they're they're on stage and they're they're doing the wings and they put their hands up like they're going to stop the food from coming out and then like the puke just finds it through their fingers. And oh, just, just like, shoot oh, that, dude! It's, it, it, dude, it's the most gluttonous, <laughs> disgusting fucking thing. It, it, it's like it's funny when people talk shit on Philadelphia. I'm like, we we invented this shit, dude. This is disgusting as fuck, dude. Yeah. Something came up with it. it's, it's fucking gnarly, but it's like I love it. <laughs> Uh, and they're qualifying things they do to get in. So call in, you know, the the morning show, the afternoon show. I'm like, I'm going to eat 75, like, uh, you know, whatever it might be, marshmallows with hot sauce on them. Be like, uh, yeah, sure. Go ahead and do that. Like, come on in. My yeah. a, a buddy of mine, I, I worked with when I first started working in the union, this dude, Joe Markey, he passed away a few years ago, but his he was trying to get in the wing ball. And he, so his name was Dr. Kaporkian. <laughs> that's his name he came up with and he would eat i think he ate like three pounds of bacon or some shit or more than that maybe it was like a bunch of pounds of bacon he ate that's what he ate and like th- th- that was his thing he was on wip and he did it i just remember i remember like him being he's like, oh, i'm gonna be on wip he's like oh here's dr kaporkian I'm like, <laughs> what a fucking name though man <laughs> dude three pounds of bacon oh man i don't know that's don't that. know. that's disgusting man yeah so I, you I, went I, the musical route instead of the uh the competitive eating route What's that? You went the musical route instead of the competitive eating. Oh route. yeah, dude. I don't think I could do the competitive eating. <laughs> I could barely, I could barely play guitar, dude. I don't think I could fucking eat three pounds of bacon or fucking sixty four, uh, two hundred fifty four wings. I mean, I love chicken wings. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not gonna. I just like, I try to like with eating, especially now. Like I'm like, I try to do the fasting thing a little bit and like stuff like that and like. I feel bloated after I eat dinner sometimes. I mean, I can't imagine someone shoving all that fucking food in their face. And then they you have these people to do the oh the Philly fucking they call it the Philly taco with the oh yeah steak. Lorenzo's and the uh, and Jim's before it burned down. Dude, Lorenzo's pizza is garbage. Like it's it's straight fucking trash. It's 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 drunk pizza. We all, you know, most of us been there late night. Went there. Oh, this is great, great fucking pizza. But it's not good pizza. <laughs> it's just for the dope. price for the size of the slice. I mean, it's bigger than your body, and it's like yeah. five bucks or whatever. It hits a spot when you're in your like fucking twenties and early thirties when you like get yeah. them tattoo moms or something, and it's like <laughs> that was like yeah, I've been there plenty of times, but it's like one of them things. It's like when I hear someone say, "Oh yeah, Lorenzo, no, nah, dude, there's there's good fucking pizza." Like speaking of pizza, like around here, dude, there's not many good pizza spots. I mean, like, no. so you got the Riv, the Riv will grow on you, but then oh Jesus, it, it's across from Spots Hardware, like diagonal on Stokes. Yeah, I gotta um, venture out more. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll show you the name of it, but uh, it's better, and that's like a little thinner. And then they have this uh, margarita pizza that's really good. But like, just in general, if you're just like looking for a good pie, um, yeah, kind of the rib will grow on you. Yeah, that's that's one of our go tos because that's like the spot everybody talked about. But um, Johnny Pies down by Farm Truck, they're pretty good. Uh, that's good. Oh, that's next. Uh, is that next to the game place? Right, the uh, game right, one. Right yeah, next yeah. to yeah. Did my game one's crazy. I love when my kids have birthday parties there. Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. We did my son's eighth birthday party there. It was like it was fucking so easy. Everybody just played video games and yeah, hell yeah. I'm like pushing people <laughs> off of the, like the kids off the games. Like, oh, I need to get an NBA Jam now. Like, you guys need to slide yeah. over. You know? <laughs> yeah, fucking playing like Mortal Kombat and like uh, yeah. Street Fighter and shit. Yeah, they have this four player Pac Man game that's like r- right past the the rows of the controllers for like Xbox and all this stuff. And it's like right I know. there. I know my 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 wife and my daughter sat there most of the time playing that shit. Yeah, 
I played, I never saw that game growing up or anything. And then I came home and I was like, I need to buy this. And then I saw it was 10 grand. I was like, all right, you need to take a deep breath. Like, you're not ready for this yet. Like that whole, what, you wanted the whole, that like, I, went, I, was, I was like, dude, like this, I was like, how much could this really be? Like, you know, the NBA jam, like you'll see stuff. And it's like target will have the cabinet for NBA jam, the whole thing. You could get your own stand up NBA jam. And at one point it was like two fifty, but now like at target, it's like five, five fifty. I'm sure you could probably find it different on eBay. It's like shit. Like, what's this gonna be like? Seven hundred bucks? Like, eh, you know, maybe like, you know, I'll save three fifty. I'll splurge three fifty. And then I looked it up, and it, dude, it was thousands. It was, really? yeah. And I was like, ah, that, you know. See, I'm not a big video video game guy. Like my, like I, but I seen that thing you could plug in to your USB and get all the old video games. Yeah, I, I would fuck with that. But like, I'm just like, I never like. I used to play like the bigs that baseball gave my son or NHL and like, like stuff like that. But I'm like, I don't, I don't even remember the last time I played a video game. <laughs> so Maybe this is the thing. About it. I would buy that Pac-Man game, be so excited that I have it and then play it for two minutes and walk away from it. Oh, yeah. Why did I just spend 10 grand on it? See, like, Pac-Man's one of them ones I could get into. I mean, I grew up on that shit. Like I grew up on like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong, Super Mario and stuff like that. And it's like, but like I just I feel like I fell off the video game thing young, and I was just like ah, I wasn't really into it, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Every time is used differently now. Where I'm like, you know, I I don't see it. Even my kid has like the Switch, and I'll have the old school Nintendo games or the Genesis games, and like I'll play with him if he wants to play something. But he's like, hey, Dad, do you want to turn on this? I'm like, no, I'm good. Like if he wants to play Mario Kart or something like that's awesome. Yeah, my son got Switch recently too, and it's like I never I didn't even play. I think I played with him one time, and I'm like I don't. He don't even play with that much. He's usually on his like iPad talking to his buds and playing games on that. So it's like they're playing games. And, and that's one of the things like he communicates with his friends. He talks to his friends on the I mean, like I know I get it. He's on a screen a lot, but it's always like it's never like he's just like buried in the screen by himself. He's like him and his like four friends are like talking and like playing some games and shit. So yeah, you're not like locked in a basement or whatever. Like when we were kids with like just computer wasn't connected, but now like everything is like instant and like, you know, you're on your a text thread or you're on this, you're on the same mission, the same, whatever it might be. Yeah. That's one thing I never, my, my nephew was in the game and a lot, well, just playing video games a lot. He's just like, you know, go in his room. It's like Mountain Dews and Doritos laying everywhere and shit. It's like, uh, I mean, he, he's doing great now. I mean, he's, he's actually another one that's in the music. He's, he was uh, working with a producer in LA. He's, he's doing the whole New York LA thing. He's like 24 years old and he's like, He's trying to make it as a producer. He did worked with some dude out in LA for a bit and was doing good out there, but him and his girl moved to New York and now he's doing like, he's trying to find a job out there. He hasn't found anything yet, but the kid's like really talented, you know, hoping he does something, you know, but. Do you think, not that it's easier because, you know, you still need that break and you still need to get in, but do you think with the technology that's at hand, do you think with like the re- recording equipment at hand, it's it's more beneficial for the bands now than it was like when you were coming up? Ah, man, it's, uh, I guess it's easier to make something sound better now, you know, but I miss the like lo-fi quality of like back in the day, you know, like when we, it, I don't know, man, sometimes I want to go back and just like record everything with a four track, you know, just to have that, like that lo-fi kind of gritty sound again, you know, but it's like, I don't know. You you said, if it, is it easier or anything? Is that what you asked me? Yeah, just you know, but you're just talking about the sound. It's like like that's part of it too. Like I have this whole thing up and running, and it was barely any money at all. And now here I am, like broadcasting out to like I just have my Spotify review for the year, and there's 19 countries just through Spotify, and like my other stuff. Like I know there's other countries, so I'm reaching 20 or 30 different countries across the world with something that I just made up on my own. You know, and I could never have done that. Yeah, 
you know, when I was 20, when I was even 30, I think for the most part. Yeah, that part, kind of crazy. That, that part of it's great, dude. I think it's like people to like, I know you see people like, oh, Spotify doesn't pay artists, blah, blah, blah. I mean, some artists don't fucking deserve to get paid. Like, I'm not <laughs> like, dude, I'm nobody. Like, I have a couple, few listeners. There's nothing crazy. Like, and it's like, you know, like, do I think Spotify owes me anything? No, because I'm not fucking doing anything to make it worth it. Like, if, you know, I, and some of the, a lot of the artists that do it too, like, you know, I have a few thousand followers, a couple of listeners. I'm like, how much do you want to fucking get paid, dude? And if you don't want your shit on there, and I'm not defending the big corporate. I'm sure that, I mean, they do a lot of shady shit and it's like kind of fucked up with the, what they pay artists sometimes, but it's like, take, you, you could easily take your shit off of Spotify and sell you the, sell the shit out of the back of your truck or your car. So, I mean, like you go back to the old days if you want to, but I'm like, Spotify is good to have there for like promotion, you know? And it's like, that's, that's what's easier about it now. It's like, you know, you got like platforms like, you know, Instagram, Spotify, TikTok, all that shit. And you could just like, it, it's it's easier to get like get get an audience now you know than it was and like you said like it's like worldwide too like you could find you could get you could catch on in like fucking france you know you could reach people in france you know wasn't that easy back in the day back in the day you'd have to take a flight to france and play in france and sell your shit there you know to even get a little bit of like anything so Right. Hope that it caught on instead of somebody just searching like a hashtag and they're like, oh look what I just found. And you're like, that's fucking yeah. crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how like easy it is. Like, I mean, it's not like the thing is, it's like, it's like a crapshoot sometimes, but it's like, like you could get famous for like a shitty fucking song now. Like, it's like, you see here, some of the shit, like the TikTok stuff that comes out where I like, (laughs) what the fuck is that song? It's just the dude, like just whistling or some shit. He's like, (laughs) I don't know if you know that one. It's fucking dude. It's, it's a weird like hit rap song. Like this, this fucking got famous. And like it's like wow because I'm like I, I I put time into my songs <laughs> you know I put some energy into it and I'm like there's like barely anybody listening to my shit but at the same time it's like I'm just doing it for fun I don't care that much anymore it's like it'd be cool if people actually like listen to stuff and like have like it's like I played a show to you last week and it was like no one was there but like the bands that were playing and a few people that were there were like they seemed to like be into what we were doing and I'm like cool and you know I have a fiddle player now and it's like. Shout out to Tony Jeter, best fiddle player in South Philly. Best punk rock, only punk rock fiddle player. <laughs> and, That's the important part, yeah. But yeah, we had last week we played as a three-piece. It was bass, fiddle, and and me playing acoustic and singing. So it was like fucking great time. You know, we had fun. It was, you know, just us. And like there's a couple people there. And like that's the kind of the thing you gotta do. Cause I did I did a little bit of stand-up comedy a few years back, and it was kind of like I kind of learned a lot from that where it was like, yo, if you get a couple laughs, dude you're doing good. You know, you're off to a good start. You know, it's like, you're not going to kill it every time. And like, I kind of take that with music too. It's like, you have some shows that are like, you'll get a good handful of people there and other shows there will be nobody there. But it's just like, as long as you got one or two people paying attention, that's fine. You know? So, so how'd you like the stand up comedy? How did you get involved in that? Uh, so I was like, uh, you know, big Eddie Murphy fan when I was a kid, you know, big SNL, like all that shit. And like, I always had it. Like, I feel like ever since I was really little, I was like, I kind of want to do that. I want to watch an Eddie Murphy role when I was like eight years old. I'm like, I want to do this. Like, I want to do this one day. I want to do it. You want the red jacket and like, no, yeah, yeah. Shirt want, underneath and just... <laughs> that fucking leather outfit. You know? yeah. <laughs> Imagine that shit, dude. Yeah. Going, Rusty come Pigeon. out now with that, man. Just come out yeah. now. <laughs> Rusty Pigeon with this fucking little fucking Martin guitar and a leather ass 
like with my uh my dad bod and like <laughs> Eddie Murphy outfit. I don't know. That might do something. I might you might be onto something. You know, I might be. I might be. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep the mustache too. <laughs> yeah. Even fucking weirder. But <laughs> but yeah, it was like um, you know, that was like a little bit of an. I was always obsessed with the kind of stand up and like always one of them things. Like I could never like it was one of the things I wanted to do. I was like, I don't know if I could ever do this. And you know, finally you get a little bit older. I'm in my like mid thirties. I'm like, what the fuck do I got to lose? Like, well, like I could, I could, I could try this. So me and my, my buddy, Mikey pool, who, uh, he moved, where'd he move to? He moved to Delaware, but he, we both lived in South Philly at the time. And we would go to like open mics and, um, we started going to open mic in Delco <laughs> and, um, this, this dude, uh, Brian ran it. And we, um, you know, it was at a bar. It was at fuck. Was it at was Tom and Jerry? I think it was Tom and Jerry. It was at Tom and Jerry's. And we would do the open mic at the bar, but there would be a, you know, at the one side of the bar, but everybody at the bar could hear us. So it was kind of like you had a fucking audience a little bit, you know, during your set. You know, most open mics are just like other comics dicking around on their phone, like waiting to go up, waiting to do their thing. And it's kind of like you're just playing to nobody. It's one of them things that you're just testing material. And I wasn't good with that kind of shit because I'm like, I get too nervous. I'm like, I like having people listening. So it's like you had these these fucking chuds from Delco like listening to you like do your comedy and throw in like their two cents in every now and then. And I got to learn I learned how a little bit how to do like some crowd work with it. And like I got good enough to do a couple of shows where it was like, I don't think like I held my own, like I had a good few minutes, but I wasn't really that good. I mean, looking back on it, I'm like, I could have did this different, this, that different, and like especially like how I progressed with music and writing music, just like kind of learning to be myself with it. And just like, you know, like talking about life and telling a story with with my songs that I do now. And if I did that with comedy now, I think I would do a lot better than I did back then, which is like, it's not out of the, like, it's not off the table. Like I might do it again. Like it's, but it was like one of them things like I was like, I need to do this now and I'm going to do it whether I fail at it. I'm going to have fun with it and see how it goes. And I did like a, I, me and my buddy, Mike hosted an open mic at a bottle bar East in Fishtown when that first opened. And I played a show with some, it was, it was there was like probably like 15 comics on the show. I can't even remember who was on it. This dude, Brad Trackman, he was like, he did shit with Comedy Central. I never heard of him before or after this, but like, apparently he had some shit on Comedy Central, but he was the headliner and I opened a show and it was just like, the first show I did, it was like a hundred people there. There was a lot of people. I mean, it was a good amount of people. You know, it wasn't like everybody was there for comedy. And, you know, of course you can have people yelling shit out. And like right before I went there, I got pulled over by a cop. Like I was coming over the bridge, dropped my son off, who my oldest son, he was like probably like eight or seven or eight at the time. And I dropped him off at my mom's house. I'm driving, had a couple glasses of wine. Flying over to Commodore Barry Bridge. Cop pulls me over. He's like, you know how fast you were going? I'm like, no. <laughs> He's like, you were swerving in and out of traffic. I was like, dude, listen, man. I was like, I'm going to my co- I'm going to a comedy show. It's my first time ever doing this. I'm really fucking nervous. I was like, just give me a ticket. I get it, man. I get it. He comes back. He just starts laughing. I'm like, what, what's up? He goes, yo, man, have a good show. He just let me go. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I was like, and he like he seemed like a dickhead. Like, you know, like you, you like. A lot of cops seem like dickheads when they come up to him. He just like yeah. he just had this persona like I'm like, this is like a Port Authority cop. This dude's gonna fucking get me, dude. But yeah. he was like he was cool about it, and I was you know because I was just like whatever, man. And he's like, um, so I get to the show, my heart's fucking racing the whole time, and like I look back at videos, people are like, man, you seem really relaxed. I'm like, dude, I 
fucking was so nervous. Like, it was like incredibly nervous. And like looking back at the videos, like, man, I actually got a couple half decent laughs. And it was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't kill it by any means, but it was like at the same time, it was like, I didn't bomb either. But yeah, I, I did a, I did plenty of bombing. Like there was plenty of like, you know, open mics where it was just like silence. Yeah. And, you know, shit like that. But it's like, it's all part of the deal. And like, listen, like, like comedians now, and like, I'd be getting really back into listening to like comedy podcasts and comedians. I'm like, God damn it. Like, I kind of want to do this again. <laughs> but we'll see. So my buddy in the neighborhood, uh, he was on an episode, Joe Fadul. He was hosting his own show. So he was doing up in New York. And then he found out that if he went to Philly, like some of these places would be like, hey, if you can pull people in on Tuesday, we'll give you half the door. So he was doing that. He went from like 15 minutes to 60. He was like overnight. And, uh, you know, saying how much he likes it. And he, he was talking about trying to get back into it. So he's coming on next week to do my end of the year rap show. But I was oh, like, cool. I was like, I always wanted to do, I, I can't sing. I would love if I could sing. Like, I can't. It's not enjoyable for me. It's not enjoyable for you. Like, nobody enjoys it. Well, you but, can't uh, sing, you said? Or you no, funny? no, I can't. I can't sing. No, I can't sing. Like, Wait, I would love sing something. I want to hear you sing something. <laughs> yeah, right, the, the, mic go, the mic won't pick up. The mic won't pick up. We'll say hey. that another time. When we meet up, I'll hey, sing for hey. you. <laughs> it's terrible. I've done, a, <laughs> <laughs> I've done a couple of uh, karaoke's and people are like, please sit the fuck down. But I would love to do like comedy. I would love to do like a, like a tight seven, a tight 15 and go do that. So he's like, dude, I'm going to do this again. He's like, you got to come with me. So now you're coming with us too, man. The three of us. Yeah, I'm down. Work this out. I would, I would love to fucking listen, man. I just need some motivation. And you know, like I feel like I have the attitude for it. I just got to get the material for it. You know, it's like, and I feel like the past few years of music got me a little more comfortable being on stage. I feel like it was kind of like a, music then comedy then music i actually did a show one time it was in a shithole in fucking south philly my buddy's band there called the dead pirates and my my drummer used to call them the dead parrots but they were like this like slapsticky metal band that like just like they were just like writing jokey goofy songs and they were they were kind of funny but it was kind of like it was weird but they asked me to do like he's like oh you're doing comedy now he's like you think you could do an acoustic set and do a comedy set i'm like Fuck it, dude. I'll do it. I don't care. I was like, you know, I was like, it's in, it was at, um, at JR's in South Philly, right near like Phil Stakes, Philip Stakes, oh, yeah, on yeah. West Pat Young. And, um, that bar was wild, dude. It's like an old mafia owned bar. Like there was this big photo in the back of like these like six, like clearly like mafia looking dudes. There was always this dude in there with like a white suit and like sunglasses. And I'm like, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck these dudes do. But they let us. They let a bunch of shitty like punk and metal bands play their uh, bar. But uh, the one night I just did an acoustic set and did a comedy set too. And that, I feel like that was one of my best shows because it was like everybody was there just to have fun, you know. And no one was like, you know, it's like you always get like if you get a heckler, you know, that's cool, whatever. And once in a while, I get somebody yelling shit out. But most everybody was like respectful. They listened. They laughed. Fucking, it was it was actually a real good time. And it was like that place usually got got a good neighborhood crowd you know it was like you know just south philly like you know they like all the dudes in the band were from south philly i was from south philly so we had a good amount of friends and family and shit there so it was good that's so, awesome man yeah yeah, yeah. um i don't know it's gotta gotta work on some more material and try to get some uh comedy shit going again but uh until then i'm gonna keep doing the fucking acoustic shit music shit and you know like i don't know if i told you i mean like i mean you probably look some of the stuff up with the band but like it's like players right now i got like it's me joel tatenbaum used to be in plow united ginger knight plays drums she was in the ramam she's in a band called riverside odds who were fucking awesome 
right now. Um, she's an incredible drummer. She's awesome. She's an awesome person in general. And Tony Jeter. I don't know if you ever Jeter. Jeter is like a 63-year-old, 63-year-old fiddle player. He's been around forever. Like he's just played in punk bands and just like he's the punk rock fiddle guy, you know? And like you don't get too many of them. There's none of them. There's he's he's the dude. He's the only dude. And like you you know the Pogues, right? Shane McCallan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Passed away recently. Yep. That's like we were like playing the other night. And my 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 bass player's like Joel's like Tony's like our Shane McCallan. You know, he's just like he's like an older drunk that fucking kills it. That's like you know he just drinks whiskey and fucking does his thing, and he's like incredible at it. Like you know we when we recorded the EP, Tony was just drinking his ass off like the whole time. <laughs> so then fiddle parts, man, that's that's all be- uh, booze fueled. <laughs> <laughs> it encourages but, you to drink along as you're listening. What's that? It encourages you to drink along oh, as you're listening. Yeah, well, but most of them songs I mentioned, whiskey or beer or fucking chicken wings. So yeah. it's like <laughs> the three staples of life. Oh, yeah, dude. That's all you need, really, right? <laughs> that's it. So I'm, I'm more of a bourbon guy. I will go whiskey. But we went to... My family, extended family, will go to Wildwood Crest in September. And I had this bottle of scotch that someone gave me for my 40th birthday. And I was like, well, whatever, man. It's all in the same family. I'll bring it down there. Uh, I found out real quickly I'm not a scotch guy, but it took me like half a bottle to figure that out. Oh, my God. The rest oh, of the night was horrible. And the whole next day was like really questioning multiple life decisions. It Wait, was How old were you? This was, oh, this was like three months ago. You were in your forties. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I got this nice. I got this really nice bottle for my fortieth birthday, okay. and then okay. I was just letting it sit there. And yeah. uh, we were gonna head down, and I had like half a bottle of Maker's left, so I grabbed that, and I was like, "Well, I'm gonna need something the second night." I was like, "Oh, we'll get scotch. I'll share it around with like my brothers." And they each had like a little, little, and they're like, "Dude, this is nasty. Like nobody likes scotch." And they're like, "You need like the rocks. You need Seven Up." I'm like, "No, nah, I'm still doing. Yeah, hey, I'm still doing neat. Just fine. It's fine." And I just kept pouring it and kept going. My wife's just staring at me. She was like so proud of me. Just like the death stare of like, what is your problem? And I'm like, no, no, don't worry. Don't worry. And it was it was downhill. But it's funny. They're in the same family, but they taste nothing alike. Yeah, dude. Well, scotch is smoky. And like, you know, it's just, it's it's a different, definitely a different taste and feel. I'm I'm a rye, I'm a rye whiskey guy. I like, I like rye whiskey. And most of the time I buy whiskey, I'll get rye. I've been like off the whiskey for like, not off of it. I mean, I had, when I, my show I played, I had a whiskey the other night, you know, we were like, you know, we played, he's a three piece, Shane McGowan from the Pogues died. I'm like, I got to do a whiskey. And like, you know, but, uh, I used to buy a bottle every now and then, but I haven't even bought a bottle of whiskey in years, but like, well, let me see what I got here. What do I got? Um, this stuff is pretty good. This few stuff, you know, if you see it. Okay. Yeah, it's blurred out. Why is it blurred out? I don't know why the background's blurred out. It's probably because my wife, that, that's her. Yeah. But there's a little bit left in this. It's just bourbon. That's good stuff. Oh. <laughs> there was something left in it, not anymore. That clip's going. Yeah, there was like a TikTok. tiny shot. Like, yeah, I, don't drink, I don't drink with you that much anymore. I'm just going to pound the shot right now. Yeah, that's the TikTok but, clip right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, usually go with the rye or bourbon. Scotch. Yeah. I do like scotch, but I'm, it's not my favorite thing. You know, like just casual drinking, I'll drink like the rye or bourbon. So yeah, trying to get something local too. There's, to, there's tons of local, like, you know, distilleries now between Philly and Jersey. So yeah, 206 has a distillery that I sometimes if I'm going to work, I'll work, I work in Trenton, like I'll yeah. pass by it, but their hours are, are not friendly to my commuting time, but uh, I want to see if I can get over there and grab something. Yeah. So we'll yeah, see. there's a, 
I know there's plate. My buddy always goes to Reading Terminal, and there's there's a he said there's a, a good whiskey spot there. They have a lot of like uh, different local shit from around PA. Yeah, but yeah, any any like place, like, even if you go to like any any liquor store, you're gonna find something local. So it's like I usually try to get, like eh, if it's like you know not too pricey. I don't want to spend too much money on a bottle of whiskey, but it's like you know if it's like between thirty five and fifty bucks, you know. That's it. a sweet spot, man, because it goes down all the same. You know, if it's good or not, you're gonna drink it just as fast. And yeah, that's I, I mean, a higher than that. I don't want to drink Old Crow anymore. So it's a, <laughs> yeah, that was a little my, tough. Yeah, dude, Old Crow and Old Granddad and all that. I was gonna say Old Granddad. That was uh, that was one of my first. I, I must have been like I don't know, 15 or something. My buddy's basement, and we were doing Old Granddad and watering it down to make it seem like we didn't drink anything. And uh, they, they were. Some of the worst hangovers and you know, again, worst life decisions. Well, you would you said what are it down like so people wouldn't know you drank, like the people wouldn't Yeah, know yeah. You. So it was like, you know, his parents, parents bar or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, they'd have like a mark or whatever. And like we were so smart, they're like, Oh, we'll pour half of this and you know, just water the rest of it up. And of course they'll never know. And you know, the next time they went to pour, they're like, What the fuck? You know? I mean, looks wise, <laughs> you're gonna tell a little bit more bourbon if you know what bourbon looks like, but like with a vodka and shit, you really wouldn't. But yeah. But as we, a 15 year old, we were brilliant. We're like, hey, we're this is what uh, we're we gonna did. do. We had, I, I used to do the same shit. I remember probably yeah. like fucking 12, 13 years old at my buddy's house watching a Super Bowl. His parents were somewhere. I don't know what the fuck we were there alone, but we're like sipping like whatever they had. I just remember just being disgusting. I'm like, I don't like this shit. Yeah. That's like I fucking love drink. I like I like to taste the whiskey now. I don't know. It's weird how you get you get older and it's like one thing I never got into was smoking though. Smoking, I was like, I feel like I tried to smoke a cigarette when I was younger, coughed up my lungs. I'm like, fuck this, dude. I'm never smoking Virginia Slims in my life again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a smart way to go, man. I'll have a cigar every once in a while. I get on the golf course, I'll have a couple of cigars, but for the most part, you know, I don't want to do it in front of the kids. I don't want them smelling it on me. Nah, dude, it's like so. My my fiddle player lives on top of uh, Bonnie's Capistrano, and it's still a smoking bar. So anytime I go to pick him up, I gotta go. Like he's usually at the bar having a shot. So I walk in. I'm like, "Where? I'm picking Tony up. Where's he at? You know, he's at the end of the bar smoking a cigarette and like doing a shot of whiskey. And I'm like, it, you walk out of there, you just smell like smoke. And I'm like, God damn, how the fuck did we live like this back in the day? I just remember being in bars, you know, in my 20s, and like going home and just stripping down and getting a shower because you just smell like cigarettes head to toe or you're so hammered you get home and pass out and you wake up and your whole fucking room smells like cigarettes <laughs> uh those next day showers are the worst as soon as the water hits your hair it's like in your eyes and you're like oh, oh my god it's fucking terrible we used to i used to work at a bar called uh medusa lounge on like um where the hell was that at it's like right off a of chestnut i think it was like 21st or 20th and like off a of chestnut it's like a little down basement bar and it, there was like no fucking windows and we were, were bartending and people were smoking and it's just, we had to blow a fan out the door because it was just like, I don't know how we didn't get black lung for being in there. It was, it was, <laughs> it, was it was so bad. It's funny if you end up somewhere now that is a smoking bar, so you're saying pick up your buddy, Tony, and like, you know, you walk into a Jersey bar and it's fine. You're good to go. And you walk into a smoking one. You're just like, so repulsed. You're just like, what? Oh, what, what, who's smoking? And it takes you a minute to be like, Oh, Oh, different States, different laws. Well, we went to France, dude. Everybody smoked. Everybody smokes, though. I mean, some places, I guess you like, like, I don't feel like anybody's smoking in the restaurants we were in, but like, people smoke constantly on the streets of like, I was like saying, like, I never been to France, but it reminded me so much of my childhood. It was like a nostalgic, nostalgic smell. <laughs> smell like fucking shitty perfume and cigarettes, like my house did when I was younger. You know? <laughs> mom, are you here? Mom, dude, mom, mom, are you in France? <laughs> yeah. Abby, where's Patty at? Is she here? Yeah. 
But um, yeah, but I, we went to Iceland and Iceland was fucking beautiful, dude. It was just like, it felt like you were on Mars. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but it was like. I haven't been to Iceland, no, but I, I've heard how beautiful it is and like out of this world. There's also like, there was all these earthquakes that were happening. Were there earthquakes happening while you were there? Yeah, dude, it happened when we were there. It started happening two days before we left. And we're like, fuck, are we going to get stuck here? And then it was like, all right, we got out of here. Now we're going to get stuck in France because we got to fly back to, we got to fly, fly back to Iceland for our layover. So we were like, all right, what the fuck are we going to do? So we're like half-assed planning doing something else. I'm like, oh, why don't we just go to Normandy and we'll stay there for a few days till it calms down if it happens. But luckily we got out, but it was like one of them, we had like a worry in the back of our mind about it, but it was like where we stayed, we were like, so we went to Reykjavik, um, the city, the one day, and we, you know, did a few things there. There's a punk rock museum. That was all cool. But on the way there, there was like this little section where there was like some seismic activity. They had the steam coming out and all that stuff. And like, oh, this is pretty cool. And it seemed really active. And it was like around the time when all that shit was going on. But we didn't like, we didn't feel any earthquakes. We didn't like, but like the, the day we were leaving, the guy driving us in the van back to the airport, he was like, did you guys feel earthquakes last night? We're like, we were in Sulfos, like, uh, like a, uh, an hour away from the main where it was happening that I was like, now nah, we didn't feel anything. He goes, yeah, cause I live right here. And I felt them woke me up out of my sleep last night. I'm like, Oh shit. So yeah, they were, they were happening when we were there and like, you know, we, we were worried about getting stuck, but we got out and it was long story short. It was a fucking beautiful place, man. It was just like, you know, if you, it felt like you were on another planet. Cause it was like a lot of flat landscape, you know, you don't see a lot of trees and shit like that, but there's like waterfalls everywhere. It's like, you know, it's it just it, the, the craziest thing about that, too, is like you. I didn't see one fucking cop there. I didn't see hear a siren. I didn't hear anything. It was like and where we played where we we stayed like a while outside, like an hour outside of the city. So it was super quiet, super secluded. Like all you could hear is the wind that night. You know, it was like fucking we saw the northern lights. So that was cool. We got that at the last That's night. Awesome, man. Luckily, you got that. But it was like, um, you go into the main city and I'm like, do they even have cops in Iceland? I was like, you look it up and I'm like, they have cops, but they don't have, they don't carry guns or anything. And it's like, you know, it's like the crime rate in Iceland is so fucking low. It's like ridiculously low. And it's like, holy shit. And then you get to France and it's like sirens everywhere. Like dudes holding ARs walking around buildings and like, you're like, all right, you're back in the city, man. This is fucked up. Like, but yeah. I was like, all right, we got a good taste of like what it's like not to live in a city and like not to be at like, but it was uh France is beautiful, man. The architecture is awesome. It's like we loved it. The kids loved it. We had a great time. Like we might have to eat one. Me and the wife got a date night because the in-laws were watching the kids one night. But you know, the kids were great. Like dude, taking us so you should, we're there with two people in their 70s, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. And you can imagine how crazy that could be with them two dynamics. And like me and my wife are just like fucking like <laughs> wrangle wrangling the kids we're wrangling the in-laws we're like, right. like it's just everyone's wandering thing. off you're like guys guys yeah, stay yeah it's, it, it, dude, it's more it was it was, it was my father-in-law who's wandering off we lost him motherfucker doesn't carry a cell phone so we we got to find him in france like we're by the eiffel tower it's crowded as shit and like this dude's like wandering somewhere like and then his wife <laughs> follows him so we lose my mother-in-law too so we're like what the fuck and my wife's like super like mild manner, like like just like under like super nice about everything, doesn't yell. She got so pissed. And like I'm watching the kids, we're at the one train stop where we thought they were going to. They were walking that way. Then they end up going the other way for some reason. I don't know. My wife finds them finally in the subway. All these French people are around there. She starts fucking screaming at them. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? You Like, you know, we got two little ones with us. You guys fucking wander off. And she's screaming. She's yelling and like, you know. 
like fucking these French people, like these fucking Americans, man. Like it's like screaming, being obnoxious, but like we we found them and everything was fine after that. But after that, I was, I was I had, you know, it's like one of the things I feel like I have to like talk to her dad. I'm like like a kid sometimes. I'm like, dude, you gotta you can't walk away from us, bud. It's like, <laughs> like find a buddy, you know, hold hands, we got we got yeah, stuff together. Yeah. Start putting a leash around them like they do with the yeah. kids. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, that's a that's a good idea. You know, hey, can't pass up on that. But he, dude, yeah. dude, dude has like arthritis. He's like his legs. Like he was like an avid like cyclist his whole life. He had to get a pacemaker put in a few years ago, so he can't cycle anymore. So he rides a kayak. He does a kayak. He goes for like little walks and stuff like that. So he can't. But he was like, I think it was his seventy third or seventy fourth birthday. I rode thirty five miles with him up in North Jersey. But he would ride his age in miles. He did it up until he was about 72 or 73 until the doctor told him they couldn't. But biking with that dude when he was 74, I felt like I was biking with a fucking 18-year-old. He was flying. I'm like, and we're going down these crazy hills up in North Jersey. I'm like, I'm breaking and shit. I'm like, dude, hold up. I'll be right with you. And going uphill certain spots, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. I'm like, Jesus, dude, how do you do this? But he's in like for, for like a 77 year old dude's in pretty good shape. And he's just like, but normal things that come with aging, like the arthritis and all this shit starting to starting to catch up to him. And when we were in France, it was just like he's hobbling around like all like limping and like, but he's still like going fast. Like I'm like, then he's complaining how much pain he's in the next day. I'm like, yeah, because you're not taking your time and you're like running ahead. And he's like, I don't understand why you guys can't keep up. I'm like, dude, <laughs> we have two little kids with us who want to see this place. Yeah. And they're running the other way, doing their thing. My daughter's doing cartwheels and shit. Like, she wants to do a cartwheel in front of the Eiffel Tower. My son's, like, doing his thing. And then he's, like, it's just a whole, like. <laughs> That's but awesome, man. We made it back. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. So would you go back or no? Would you take, or maybe, like, the in-laws don't come? Oh, yeah. Well, the, yeah, we, we would definitely go back. <laughs> I would, like, listen, man, I love my in-laws. They're awesome people, and they love to travel. Like, I don't get that with my family, my mom. And my stepdad don't really, you know, go anywhere outside of like they need when they travel, it's to the fucking casino, you know? Yeah. You're like one of them families. And I, I love my mom and my stepdad, but it's like the, it's like the two different dynamics. It's like they're the more chill, like we'll just do stay local. And my in-laws are like, we need to travel everywhere. We we need to finish doing what we started when we were younger. Cause they they yeah. they've been traveling with my with my wife. Since she was little, like she's been to France. My wife's been to Australia twice, like South America. I mean, like South Africa, like, like I would, I don't think I would have never like, you know, I'm, I'm glad we ended up together. Cause it was like, I don't think I would have ever made it out of the U S but yeah. like with her, it's like beginning our relationship was like St. Lucia. Our honeymoon was like Ireland, Venice, Italy, you know, we been all mostly all over the U S it's like, you know, and then we got went to Iceland and Paris and it's just, it's just been like, we can't do it all the time because of money and shit like that. But it's like, sometimes her dad wants to foot the bill and take us everywhere. Take us, you know? So we. Why not? Do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm available. You know, like, shit. I'm in dude, but yeah. he's, like, you know, he's older, he's retired. And he's just like, he wants to see the rest of the world or as much as he could see, you know, at the end of his life. So, but that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm getting a death threat checks from my wife. Cause it's late night, my coach household. So I do have to wrap it up. Oh yeah, dude. I'm like, yeah. I'm sure I'm going to get that soon. Too, so. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find you? What is the best way to get in touch with you? What What's coming up? What's going on? All right. So you can find me on Instagram, rusty pigeon underscore. Same thing. Spotify, you can spot, find me anywhere, any, any streaming you can find. I'm on like, I should be for the most part. 
iTunes, all that stuff, Rusty Pigeon. Just put a new EP out called Dead Broke Street. Got the idea from uh, when we were in South Dakota. I actually found a street. It's called Dead Broke Street. So I was like, that's a cool picture. I want to fucking do that. My friend Frank Chappelle did the artwork. He did a fucking killer job. It was from a picture I took, but he drew my truck in the artwork. So it was like, it worked out. But yeah, um, what I got coming up is... I'm going to try to do a full length eventually. I want to try to get it done this year. I want to, I want to do a video for El Wingador, which I have the idea for it. It's just a matter of me talking to people. It's going to involve the mummers, hopefully, because my mummers brigade that I, I haven't watched with them in a couple of years, they're called Molly Whoppers. The one year we, we, we would always do like, you know, we were wench, wench comics, but we wore like the dresses and we had, we used to wear wrestle masks. Every, every year we did a, a luchador mask. The one year we had a chicken mask. And I want to bring that back for the video. I want to do a video, everybody wearing like the Luchador chicken mask and do the El Wingador video. <laughs> so maybe in the back of Second Street Brew House, which is one of my favorite bars in Philly, or like maybe the top of Tattoo Moms or somewhere like we could have a space for a little bit and just kind of go fucking ape shit and just yeah, man. throw fucking beers all over the place and just get nuts. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's awesome. But yeah, we uh, probably have some shows coming up with Josh Alvarez soon. Hopefully get to play with Krauskies again eventually. Um, you know, if you know anybody listening to this, go check out the Blackburns, who my bass player, it's his new band, uh Riverside Odds, Ginger's uh Ginger's band, my, my drummer's band, and um Tony Jeter's in a band called uh Citizen Riot, who are fucking amazing, you know. Banjo, fiddle, fucking guitar, folky, punky kind of stuff. So that's right uh, on my alley, man. I have to check those guys yeah, out. Yeah, dude, it's 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 fucking. There, I I don't know if they recorded anything yet, but like their TC Call, who who is the front man of the band, is like incredible voice, dude. Like he he does a lot of covers when they play out. Sometimes they'll do like bigger shows where he has to do some covers, but he's like he could fucking play anything. He does like anything from like David Allen Coe to like fucking the Pogues to like Dead Milkman and shit like that. So it's like he's like he's all over the board, you know. So. Um, I think that was it. Like, I don't know. Was, did I miss something? I don't know. Yeah, well, whatever, <laughs> man. You hit me up. I'll, I'll throw in the show notes. We'll get it going. But they'll follow you on social media. They'll see all your updates. Joe, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much. You're welcome yeah. back anytime. I'm here for more updates. We need to expand on the Iceland and the Paris stories. We got a lot you. more to cover, man. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next time I'll come hang out at the house, dude. We'll drink some whiskey or something, you know. Fuck yeah, dude. That's what you it's come, all about. You come over here too, dude. You know, you can come hang out. We got we got a spot here. Let a fire in the backyard, put put back some whiskey and just talk shit, you know. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good night. All right, everyone. That was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guests. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.